Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to Wood Talk Online, a podcast for woodworkers by woodworkers. Here are your hosts, Mark Stagnolo. Welcome to Wood Talk Online, episode 71, a very rough start to an episode 71 uh, for June 9th, 2010. I'm Mark Spagnolo. Shannon. Oh, Is hello. He Did we lose we Shannon? Might, we oh, might God. be having a... <laughs> <laughs> what I say, a rough start. So uh, this is all good. That guy over there is Shannon Rogers, and uh, and who who's the other guy on the line here? And the, the third guy in here is Matt Vanderlist. And you know what? As we always do at the top of the bottom of every show, normally this kind of goes a lot smoother. So there was a little bit of an interruption until we got down to where I'm at at the moment. But we want to remind you there's a couple of different ways you can get a hold of us to let us know how bad this beginning really is. Uh, you can leave a comment, a question, or a suggestion about something that you've heard in today's show or something you'd like to hear on upcoming episodes, you can reach us by either email, so you could contact us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com, or you can pick up the phone and leave us a message on our voicemail at 623-242-2450. And yet we have a couple more ways for you to get a hold of us because we are so with it these days. Yes, we are. Uh, we're except hip. for tonight. Yeah, we're, we're, we're so hip, it hurts to be this cool. Yeah. Uh, you can get a hold of us by either Twitter or Facebook. On Twitter, it's either at MBW Podcast or at Wood Whisperer or at Renaissance Woodwork uh, Renaissance WW. And like I said, we're also on Facebook. Of course, we'll have all this information in the show notes for you because it's a lot of stuff to throw at you, especially yeah. when you have a start like this. <laughs> it's an absolutely Crazy. terrible start. <laughs> uh, let's let's wipe the slate clean and begin again right now. Okay. It's really my fault. I kind of feel like Poochie, the rocking dog from Itchy and Scratchy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't really help things in the beginning either. So uh, it was, you know, the wrong microphone and it's just too many wires and buttons. You know, it's a bunch of crap. <laughs> this production stuff is for the birds, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. But we do have a new, uh, uh, some big announcement here to make if you want to uh, have the pleasure of doing that, Matt. Oh, I, I absolutely would love to do this. So last week, 
we had this third guy in here with us. We had him one other time. And this third person who didn't speak up when um, was supposed to because things are so crazy tonight uh, <laughs> is now our third co-host on here. And we love to have him on. Great conversation with this guy. A lot of fun, uh, full of information, uh, and he's obviously going to be the opposite of me. So you'll be able to listen to Mark and Shannon while <laughs> I just make really bad comments in there in between. But we'd like but to welcome Shannon Rogers as, <laughs> as, as our third co-host, Shannon Thanks for coming on. This is just fantastic. I, I don't know if you know what you got yourself into. <laughs> it's my pleasure. I think. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. We'll let you know that it is your pleasure. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's we're really excited about it. We got some great feedback, and we didn't really necessarily. I mean, we wanted to bring people in for fun, but we weren't necessarily like you know shopping around for a third right. host. But the feedback was so good. A lot of people really liked Shannon's perspective and. Uh, and I said he's he's darn good looking too. So we figured we may as well have a third good looking guy on the show. That's right. We need somebody to completely offset this mug over here and that one over there. Well, thank you, Shannon, for coming on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that mug. That mug. Whoops, wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've got a, a bunch of good things to talk about today or uh, our little selection of topics here. We're going to talk a little bit about poor filling. We had a voicemail that addresses that. And we'll get to some details on that. Uh, Shannon's going to tell us about the Glendrake Dovetail Saw, which is something very cool and new to look at. Uh, let's see. We're also going to discuss our project bucket list. And I think every Ooh. woodworker probably has a bucket list of, of projects that they absolutely want to uh, build before they kick the uh, the bucket. I want to build a bucket. A bucket would be good before you kick the bucket. Bucket's on my bucket list. At least you'll have a bucket to <laughs> kick when you go. And uh, also, we've got some giveaways, and that's going to be the very last thing we do, which means we're going to torture you for about an hour, and then when we're done, we'll give you some free stuff. Right, yeah. That, that's our way of saying thank you for uh, putting up with this first episode of yeah. the three-way. Ooh, yeah. wait. Whoa. Hey, Whoa. easy there. Oh, easy there. hey, hey. All right. So, what's on the bench? Oops. Let's uh, let our, our let's let the new guy go first. Shannon, tell us what's uh, what's going on in your shop. Um, the bench. The bench. Uh, well, let's see. Huh. Um, Sounds good, uh, Matt. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was thinking that. Oh no. <laughs> Sorry, go got, well, Shannon. You've got a bunch of stuff going on here. In fact, I, I caught something that you're you're just starting now. Uh, you put up in your pod feed. I would love to hear more about this. Yeah, yeah I'm a. Uh, I'm doing some volunteer gig somewhere at uh, the Stepping Stone Museum, which is a. Well, the original idea was it is a Victorian era rural Maryland farm. And in 1971, I think it was, a gentleman named Edmund Bull started collecting tools and he donated them or was displaying them at the museum. And the rural carpenter slash joiner shop kind of became a heck of a lot more than a typical rural carpenter shop because there's ridiculous amounts of tools and if you're watching mark's feed you can see the video i put up on my podcast today well that collection of tools has grown to over forty thousand tools in the last what's it been 40 years i guess and uh it's crazy so i went there early may i think and i didn't even know this was here it's crazy because i drive by it on my way to work every single day (laughs) and i saw this sign for stepping stone museum i was like yeah whatever Mm -hmm. and then one day I, i went over there and i was like oh my god there's a cooper yeah, there's a wheelwright, there's a blacksmith, and there's this joiner's shop. And right on the wall was this big sign that said, attention woodworkers, we need help. 
Wow. And I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. You know? <laughs> wow. I, I walked up to the guy and started talking. He was like, sure, you know, fill out this form and we'll call you. And and uh, sure enough, they called me and I am now a, an official joiner at the Stepping Stone Museum. But what's so just freaking cool about this, and especially if you're watching that feed, all of the tools in the shop are ready to go. They're not like museum pieces that stay under glass. They're meant to be worked. Wow. And actually in the charter that Edmund Bull left the Stepping Stone Museum, it said, you know, keep using them. Now, obviously, there's not 40,000 tools on the wall in that shop. They have a controlled storage that's off site for, you know, humidity control and things like that. So at least they're not rusting away while they're in storage. But apparently, like once every couple of months, we rotate tools in and out. So I'm looking forward to that. It'll be like a shopping spree or something. <laughs> yeah, no going in and, yeah, let's take that tool and that tool and <laughs> totally. that tool. Wow. But there's there's some crazy stuff. I mean, there's a bunch of benches. Um, I was talking to uh, Larry Marshall on Twitter today. Um, and actually in the feed right now, there's a bunch of bow saws on the wall there. One of those is actually a coping saw, a German-made coping saw from like 1890, I think. Wow. And it's got like this chain-driven adjustment mechanism on it. It oh, wow. looks like something out of a steampunk novel. It's the coolest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> nice. And I'm going to try to get some closer photos of it this weekend because I know Chris Schwartz is just going to drool all over it with his little coping saw um, quest he had earlier this year. But sure, yeah. It's it's just damn cool. That's all I can say. <laughs> so now how, how often are you actually working there? What's uh, What kind of hours they got you doing? Um, well, the, the museum's open Saturdays and Sundays. Um unless there's special events and things. Occasionally we have a Monday here and there, but I work, um, well, again, I'm a volunteer, so I work whenever I really can, but um, Saturday and Sunday, I try to get there both days because it's, unless there's a special event, it's only open for three hours. Mm -hmm. It's open one to four on Saturdays and Sundays. When we have special events like this weekend, we have a a Celtic festival, then it's open 12 to five. So a little bit longer. Um, I will be there both days from 12 to five this weekend. Um, you know, I'll at least be there on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll see how my wife allows me to keep disappearing on weekends. But <laughs> right. it, well, what's you know what's crazy is it, essentially this is an apprentice program. That's the whole idea. The the shop master Wade says, you know, I'll teach you whatever you want to learn. And um, you know, the the trade off is you come and you give time and you volunteer for the museum. Uh, but you know, essentially, I could work. I could take stuff from my own shop and just work on it. Now I can't use power tools, but sure, yeah. I can just use the tools there and I could continue to get shop time every single weekend. <laughs> just do um, it there. That is nice. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially now, you know, in theory that works, but this past weekend was supposed to be a dead weekend and we had a constant stream of guests through the shop. And, mm-hmm. you know, Mark, it's kind of like working and working in your shop with a cam on and, and in the chat room. <laughs> in the chat room at the same time, <laughs> you get nothing done. Yeah, absolutely nothing done. Yeah, but yeah. you know what I've discovered and what I'm thinking is it's going to be a great place to like practice, try out joinery and and you know play with the cool treadle driven lathe, um, and and just do some stuff. You know, yeah. I, I I mentioned earlier this week the uh, what was that frame dovetail and fine woodworking, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking, oh, I'd love to try that. You know, and you always have these great intentions at trying these joints. Right. Well, when you're 
in a wood shop for three hours and you can't really work on anything, that might be the perfect time to actually try that joint. <laughs> yeah, so, you're sort of the, the captive audience there. You can just kind of right. do nothing right. but that. Kind of like when uh, you go on a, on a plane and you read or something that you normally don't get the time to do because you've got nothing else going on. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. Dude, that's awesome. So, um, I mean, is it one of those things where you're all dressed up and you have to you know, talk in like old English? <laughs> yeah. Do you have your knickers? And, uh... <laughs> right. Um, you know, I thought going into it, because the only time I'd been there before was during the medieval festival. Uh-huh. And you, you know those things, Renaissance festivals, medieval fairs. is like the greatest people watching in the world. Yeah. is these like really, really giant, overweight people in tight clothing. <laughs> right. And, and walking around with but, giant turkey legs. and <laughs> Yeah, right. So at that time, like all the joiners were dressed up. One of them had like full Scottish regalia on. And I'm thinking, okay, that's what they're looking for. But when there aren't special events going on, the museum is really pretty lax about it. Mm-hmm. Um, last weekend, the guy I worked with, you know, he he wasn't dressed poorly, but he had like a stepping stone museum polo shirt on okay. and, and like a pair of slacks. Um, yeah. I am not technically supposed or have to do that, but for special events, you know, I've got kind of a Roy Underhill ish outfit that, uh, you nice. know, that floppy little hat and suspenders and stuff. And I'll, I'll go that route. I mean, yeah. for safety reasons, we can't wear shorts or anything like that. And sure. it does feel kind of silly, you know, over there interpreting. If I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt, no one's even <laughs> to know I'm working there. So right, yeah. like, who's that guy? You know? So, <laughs> you know, I'll, over time, I think I'll figure something out, um, put together, spend some time at Goodwill and see if I can put something together that isn't, you know, unbelievably uncomfortable to wear because we are talking about Maryland summer here. With <laughs> yeah. percent yeah, exactly. humidity. That would kind of suck. Well, that's awesome, man. It sounds like we'll uh, have to keep watching on the blog and just see if you, I mean, it sounds like you're going to have an endless amount of great material coming in from that. So um, I'm real excited to see it. Now, I see you also got a hold and I've got the DVD in my hands as well. It's still in the plastic and I haven't watched it, but uh, apparently you had a chance to review the Steve Lotta DVD. Yes, I did. It's well, and that's actually what's on my bench um, is uh, I've got this table that I built in Chuck Bender's class a while back. And I want to dress it up a little bit. So I thought maybe putting some cool like herringbone banding around the edge mm-hmm. of the Ooh. top or um, I've already put some stringing around the drawer front. So I wanted to do something else. And I have Steve's other two DVDs and they're awesome. So, I, you know, there was really no brainer. I went ahead and got it. And it's it's good. It's really good. Cool. Um, I think Steve's are probably among the best in the Lee Nielsen series. Um, there's just so much information he packs in there. He's got a really, really good way of teaching too. Well, I mean, he's a teacher. That's what he does, you know, 40 it, hours a week or whatever is teach. Right. So he's, he really makes things clear and easy to, uh, um, to follow. So I've, I've watched it once and I've kind of gathered my materials. I'll probably put it on again and actually start making banding for it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, um, the guy that's doing the filming over there, most of the video work, uh, Connor, he also did the George uh, Walker series, the two DVDs with him, and his his video editing and just his abilities are fantastic. It it just makes the whole thing more watchable when it's so professionally done. Um, so yeah. I'm expecting great things out of this one as well. So. It's kind of like this show, very professionally done. <laughs> Obviously, it's professional. <laughs> uh, we barely we barely got the show going, but uh, well, very cool. Matt, tell us uh, you got a little DVD thing going on there as well. What's that about? Yeah, that's right. Actually, it's not so much a DVD. I, I, when I put that in there, I'm like, well, yeah, I guess it kind of is. Okay. Uh, Bob Lang over at Popular Woodworking got a hold of me the other day, and I don't know if he if he's kind of sending these out to kind of get a feel 
to see what people think about this. But we all know that Bob is just like the SketchUp guy. I mean, he yeah. seems to cover quite a bit of that at um, uh, on Popular Woodworking. And then also the uh, upcoming Woodworking in America conference, he's going to be teaching those just like he did at the last one. Mm-hmm. And so he is definitely the go-to guy when it comes to this. Well, he has a new book out, which is essentially it's a, a DVD enhanced PDF book. And I, I got it the other day. Um, it has like 49 click and play videos built into the text itself. Wow. So you're reading along. You, you, what you do is, in fact, he said that the best way to do this is you get the DVD, you pop it into your computer, you then take all the uh, the book itself, you put it onto your hard drive. So everything's right there. And then you can actually open it up. You have to use Adobe Reader for this is the best way to do it, to get the enhanced with the videos and everything. Sure. But as you're reading through it, you can have SketchUp open on the opposite side. And then you, as you go through each one of the lessons, you can do those in SketchUp. And the neat thing about this is, for myself, I, I'm still really a SketchUp dabbler. I, I, I know how to get my way around there. Sure. Maybe the way I do it, uh, another person who has more experience is like, dude, you're killing me. You, you've did 10 steps when you only need to do two or three. <laughs> yeah. You know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. And, you know, and there, there's some. Yeah, and, and things like doing round things, like a turning. Forget about it. I can't do that. I, I get lost when I, you know, when I was doing it. And normally I'll head like to YouTube or I'll head all over the place to try and find the right way to do it. Well, it's all in there. He has, yeah. a, you know, full ca- table of contents, uh, bookmarks for everything. There's like uh, 184 pages total, but you just breeze wow. right through it. And it starts with the basics, like, you know, when you open it up, go right to your options, set these up to get yourself started with it. And then you can, you know, modify it from there. And he walks through everything on it. And I've had it now for a couple of days. And I, I, I think just in the the first few chapters alone that I've played with it, um, I, I, I'm ready to roll. I, I'm really excited to actually start trying building something else in it. Yeah. And like I said, it's got some great models in it to, to you know, go through it. He, he has it on his own site, which is craftsmanplans.com. And he has a uh, a couple of things where you can uh, click a download for a, a sample of it to get a feel for it and kind of go through the, the table of contents also. Nice. And I think it just went up for sale just just in the past couple of days or so. Uh, he's got free shipping on it right now if anybody's interested in checking it out. But it's one of those, you know, SketchUp is such a great tool. You know, it, it really has changed things because pre- previously I was using just a, a regular 2D CAD system. Sure, yeah. And it worked fine, but SketchUp is just so amazing that it's like not stepping up to it is the same thing as, I don't know, going from my 78 Chevette when I was in high school. To- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got a, a video um, planned that I'm going to be doing, and it's actually SketchUp for people who don't use SketchUp. And this way we can kind of talk about some of the – just even if you don't want to get into the building of SketchUp, you need to be able to dissect a SketchUp uh, rendering and be able to get yeah. useful information from it. Because, yeah. I mean, our entire guild uh, project that we're going to be doing is primarily based in SketchUp. And if you can't dissect it and get measurements from it, you're not really going to be able to do the project. So it's it's really important to know how to at least do that stuff. Now, I wanted to ask you, is this a sort of accompaniment to their online woodworking? What did they do? The, the SketchUp for Woodworkers series that was a downloadable video set? Is that kind of an accompaniment to it? Um, no, this is actually a completely standalone. This okay. is off by itself. This is, in fact, he's self-publishing this book, you know, right now. I'm not kidding. Um, and yeah, and it's over at his own website. He has, you know, uh, all his books, his plans, all that stuff. Um, again, it's craftsmanplans.com. I didn't even know it existed until I got a hold of me the other day. I'm like, what are you like branching out on your own? Does Chris know about this? What's going on? <laughs> Don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, he, he emailed us directly. Well, in, in, 
in what was it st charles illinois the um first woodworking in america last year he did sketch up and you know well matt you actually commented on this i took like ridiculous amounts of notes at that woodworking in america (laughs) yeah Yeah, and i'm still waiting for those to arrive is it is it going to be bulk mail is that what it is yeah (laughs) well i i sat through his class and i probably poured through like four pages of notes i mean it was unbelievable the shortcuts that he gave and then I got back to my computer at home and I was like, what the hell does any of this mean? You know? <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think this would be pretty cool to have that like right there at your, at your fingertips. But I imagine, cause at the time he was talking about self-publishing this and he had like a little sign up sheet at, at WI there. And that's why I think I got the email from him because I actually put my name on that, but okay. it looks yep. pretty cool. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I need it because as far as SketchUp's concerned, I only build shaker furniture. So. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly – that's what I've been going through. And like you were talking about with the shortcuts, that was one of the things uh, we, we I hit today as I was going through the chapters. And the shortcuts are insane because he, he explains like two or three different ways to get around everything. So if you don't just want to do keyboard, try this. And if you don't want to do that, try that. And yeah. so it, it's really neat. The, the one thing I do have to laugh about, are the, the videos that he has embedded in it, um, the, you, you'll read like two, three, four pages, full descriptions. I mean, really very, very detailed. You get down to that video and in about two minutes, he explains everything that was over those four pages. And I'm just like, <laughs> why do I even read those pages? I'm going, going down here, I'll click that and whatever Bob says, that's what Bob says. <laughs> yeah, just watch the video. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, it's, it sounds awesome, man. I have to definitely check that out. Yeah, it's 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 really good. I would definitely, if you're interested, you you're you're at that point where you, you want to go a little bit further, but you still want to have a reference that you can keep coming back to over and over again. Um, it, it's a really good, it, it's a great resource so far. I'm very happy to have had a chance to check this out. Cool. So cool, sweet. Right now, with that said, what do you have going on, Mark? Oh, the usual. A little of this, a little of that. Um, okay. Well, in that case, let's move on to. Moving on. Uh, oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it, it works against <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, I actually just finished up a cabinet, and I was uh, broadcasting live a couple weeks ago. Well, it's, I guess it was not that long ago, but I was uh, doing a daily thing, and I think a lot of people were able to see this thing come together. Uh, put a little picture up there for you. The finished product. Uh, it's another piece for the the summer of Wenge client. Finally finished. <laughs> Uh, and you know what was cool about this? The the project was a lot of fun. I didn't get to to you know record all the details of it, but that that sometimes you just have to do a me project and, and not really worry about uh, filming every last detail, which can be a little bit tedious uh, oh, after a while. Yeah. Um, that the truth? You guys yep. know my pain. So um, this particular one was a me project, and uh, I wound up delivering it on Monday. And the coolest thing was I actually forgot about how many projects I have made for this particular client. So I go into the house. He he was out of town, and his, his wife uh, helped me carry this uh, little piece in there. And I started looking around, and the guy is an African art collector. And uh, all the Wangi pieces that I did for him, some of the other pieces that look kind of similar to this one, made from cherry and walnut and uh, different variations of that, all over this guy's house. His entire house, practically, with the like exception of a few couches, uh, is furnished by by me, which was really really weird because I wasn't She's doing a stalker. Yeah, yeah, kinda. Uh, no, but it was. Uh, you know, I haven't really done that much custom work and commissions. You know, since I started doing this stuff, so it was really kind of a, an eye opener for me to look around and see just how much furniture I had made for this dude over time. And it was. Uh, it was. It was 
kind of cool. It was really cool, as a matter of fact. So I just took a picture, a couple pictures with my phone, and just uh, kind of looked over the pieces. Now this is this is someone's piece of furniture now, so I still feel a sense of ownership over it. So I feel immediately comfortable just going in and putting my hands on it and feeling all the joints to see if something's uneven or something moved. Uh, and they're probably, lo- you know, she's probably looking at me like, "Why is this Get guy out of my underwear drawer? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Why is this guy molesting my my armoire?" Uh, but, but it was, you know, it was a lot of fun to see all these different pieces that I've made. So, uh, kind of an exciting week for me. So what about the, um, the bedroom set that he wants you to build? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, he said, well, I guess, you know, this piece was about two years in the making after the last Wenge piece. He said, we still have one more that we want you to do. And he knew that we were going to be transitioning to the wood whisper and doing, you know, more videos and things like that. So he kind of figured I wouldn't be able to build for him. And I said, no, no, when I get time, I'll, I'll, you know, definitely get this one last cabinet done. So after this one was done, he was so happy with it. He, He loved it. He's like, man, I really wish you could build this bedroom set that I have in mind. And I said, well, you know what? The way I build now, it's more, I build much more like a, a hobbyist or a semi pro where, um, I can kind of be a little bit more picky about what projects I pick and, and what I take on. So it, this guy has really good taste, and he always likes very interesting woods and is always, you know, he's willing to pay for this stuff. So I figure, you know, why not? Maybe maybe I should take that on over the next year and just make a whole lot of content out of it. And I don't I don't think he'd mind if I filmed it. So, so I may very well take on this big uh, bedroom set, um, and who knows how long it'll take me and, and how it's going to look, but it, it could be a nice little adventure and a little detour from the norm. That'd That's be pretty cool. You know, it was kind of funny because when you went into the whole wing a thing, it happened to be about the same time that um, you were you were broadcasting some of this and you were talking about it. My coworker, uh, one of my coworkers currently, is originally from uh, the Congo, the uh, Republic of Congo, and mm-hmm. she was talking about. It. She's like, "Yeah, back at my dad's compound, he had this. All his furniture was made of this wood. Oh, it grows so all over the place there, and it's just I don't know why he would get it." And she kept trying to describe it, and finally, I go. So is it Wenge? She's like, yeah, it's it's just dirt cheap over there. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> the way she's talking about it is it's like, you know, it's it's white eastern pine. It's no big yeah, it's, deal. It's their domestic wood, right? I mean, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, well, this guy loves his Wenge. Man, oof. And it, yeah, I'll tell you what, though. It holds up, and it looks really good. Those pieces barely moved. I mean, I, I felt around some joints, and, I mean, you could feel a little glue line here and there, but for the most part, they haven't moved at all. I was really impressed with it. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. They held up. That's cool. So, yeah, that's about it. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, and this is not necessarily what's on my bench, it's what's on my desk, and just recently got doused with a cup of water, so I'm a little upset about that. But the, <laughs> the, the latest issue of Fine Woodworking, I just wanted to mention that if you guys haven't picked it Here up. You, <laughs> there you go. Um, you guys you guys probably should. This particular issue, I don't know why. Um, some issues resonate with me more than others. I'm sure you guys are like that, too. But this one just happened to have a bunch of good articles that really hit home with me. I thought they were good, and I, I enjoyed this issue more than I have in a long time. Yeah, it, it is funny how that happens. You know, I, I, I've said it before. It seems like magazines. I, I've always felt like they, they're in my mind, which along with the voices <laughs> that are in there. But it's <laughs> it's like you, you ever start like. Yeah, just stop it. What are you doing in there? Oh, scratch that. That feels good. But it, it, it seems like you're getting ready to think about a project or there's a um, a, a tool that you're really interested in or, or some sort of technique. And I swear it's like I'll go to the newsstand and I'm just kind of perusing things and suddenly it's like there, there's three different magazines with at least one article about what it, one of the things I'm looking at. It's, it's insane how they just kind of resonate with you. Yeah. Oh, show. 
All right, let's uh, let's jump into some of our topics here before we wind up with a, a two-hour show, and uh, <laughs> which my wife does all the time. Her podcasts are are usually two hours minimum, uh, which and I love them. Are. Nicole's are perfect, and yet we <laughs> still <laughs> listen to them in their entirety. So, uh, yeah, I do. That you know what on uh, iPod that two X button is fantastic. I don't know oh. if you guys use that. That's Heck yeah. That's how I get through podcasts and audiobooks so quickly. But um, yeah, the Elven mode. Oh, it's awesome. All right, let's talk a little bit about pore filling and we had a, a voicemail that's going to kick this off i'll play it now and uh, you guys will see um oh, i think it's jim had a question about pore filling so i'll play that okay hey matt and mark thanks for all the work you guys do helping us woodworkers out uh this is jim woodward uh on the blog that i'm trying to set up on the wood whisperer community it's uh, got the nickname there as woodwarden um got a question for you guys on pore fillers for red oak uh trying to figure out uh, the best methods of applying it, best brand. Um, I've got Woodcraft near the house, and they carry a couple of brands that are, are look interesting. Um, oil-based versus uh, water-based pore fillers. Should I apply it before or after staining? I've seen two different opinions on that online and not a whole lot of reasoning behind why, why one would be better than the other. Um, I've finished Red Oak in the past. I'm, I'm kind of the type that likes a more matte-type finish, and um, natural finish, um, but I got a commission job, and they want the more glossy poly finish, and so this is going to be my first time doing uh, pore filler, and this is a, a paying job. I'm really more of a serious hobbyist woodworker, and I occasionally get people to pay me for a few things. Um, so I'm not real certain how to handle uh, working with pore filler, never have done it before, and Okay, I'm going to cut that right there. Um, the funny thing was Jim wrote me a big, long email to accompany that, and that was the short question. Um, <laughs> yeah. So he's an engineer, and he said he's very he's clearly very detail-oriented. But um, uh, so, so Jim's trying to fill some red oak, and a, it's a good one to fill. I don't know if you guys have ever tried to, like, clean a red oak top or something like that that hasn't been uh, pore-filled. I, I find that, like, the... The rag that you use might get caught a little bit, or the dust might get down into the the deep grain on there. So it's it's kind of not a bad idea for uh, certain mm-hmm. species. Um, quick question before I go into some of these details here: Do you have you guys ever done pore filling, or you do it frequently on your projects? Uh, I not, myself uh, not frequently no okay. no no. I I try to avoid it whatsoever <laughs> as much words, as possible. In other words, once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. I, I had the pore filler and I looked at it and I tried to do it on some scrap <laughs> and I just said, no, no. Okay. Well, if you're uh, really, the, the, I guess we should answer that question. When would you want to do a pore fill? And the, the primary reason that I think you would want to do a pore fill is if you're doing a high gloss. And that's what Jim had mentioned that his uh, client here is looking to get a really nice uh, glossy finish. And the, the thing with a glossy surface is if there's any interruptions in that surface, if it's not perfectly smooth, it can't be perfectly glossy. In fact, it looks really weird, excuse me, if you put uh, a super gloss finish over a porous wood and you don't fill that grain. So um, okay. here's an example. I'll throw up a picture here of a, a guitar. And that's the kind of look you want. If there's any interruption in that surface at all, it's just not going to come out good. It's not going to look good. You can't get that smooth, you know, piano gloss. So that would be one of the, the right. main reasons you would want to do it. Um, so, so what you're saying is, if you, if you didn't do this, you'd have kind of like a like a, it, it would look kind of uh, dimply all over. Yeah, is that yeah. is that kind it's, of the effect that you would have without it? Exactly. It's pitted. It's dimply. It looks okay. odd. I mean, it's it's if you've ever seen it. 
it just looks off. And sometimes you, if you're not sure what you're looking at, um, I've even had, uh, when I worked at a refinishing shop, we made the mistake of doing that on, on somebody's blanket chest that we refinished. And the customer didn't know how to describe what they saw, but they knew something was not right with this thing. It just looks like, you know, like not like, you know, like <laughs> not right. I uh, can't put my <laughs> finger on it, but something. Yeah. So basically, this is the reason you would want to do it. You need that smooth, continuous surface. So one real quick and easy way that you can do this that doesn't take much in the way of materials is to actually just use an oil varnish blend and some sandpaper and a sanding block and hand sand this oil varnish blend. Uh, what that's going to do basically is create a slurry of wood dust and the oil varnish mixture that will then sit in the pores. And once you get a good slurry going, it kind of makes a paste. And okay. you could sort of take a either an old credit card or a squeegee or something to go across the grain and drive that material down into the pores. Um, that works pretty well. It's quick and dirty. Uh, you may have that to... That works pretty well. Oh, I just heard some feedback there. Hold on a second. Did anyone just do something different? No, nope. you, you you suddenly hesitated when I was looking at your Ustream. It suddenly didn't want to transition back to you. You froze for a second. Yeah, the weird I thing is I'm, I'm hearing a whole lot of echo. I'm going to close that page just in case. Sorry about that interruption. Okay, I can take that out in the editing. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> maybe it was because Vic just said Matt looks sexy without his glasses and there was some sort of rift. In the <laughs> That's what it was. It, it was my my end. I don't know exactly why it was happening, but I closed oh, it. And finally, it I transitioned to the good looking host. Yeah, there you go. Um, OK, so what the heck was I saying? Oh, OK. So basically, this oil varnish blend method is, is OK, but it takes a couple coats. You're going to have to do it a couple times to get a completely smooth surface. And the good thing is it, it takes the color of the wood, the natural color of the wood, and that's what you're filling the pores with. So, you know, relatively effective, works pretty well. But there are also commercial fillers out there, um, which I think tend to be, I think it works a little bit better. Sometimes you can nail it in one coat. Sometimes you still have to do two. Uh, but to answer Jim's questions, he wanted to know the differences and why you might do, uh, let's say, put up a coat of stain first, or do you stain after? Um, essentially, you can get the results either way, whether you stain first or stain after the pore fill. Um, kind of just depends on your your preference and the look that you're going for. For instance, let's say let's let's talk about staining before. Let's say you put some dye on the surface and you want to pore fill it afterwards. Well, mm-hmm. you're probably going you got to seal that surface first because if you put the pore filler, you always have to sand that pore filler afterwards. So if you put the pore filler right on top of the dyed surface and then sand, what's going to happen? You're probably going to burn through that color. Um, right. So you want to make sure that if you do have color there first, hit it with some de-wax shellac or something to seal it up. Give yourself a nice coat on top of that, then add your pore filler, and then you can kind of lightly sand the surface afterwards. You're still going to need to be you know, very careful because if you sand through that, you're going to go down into the color layer. Uh, personally, I like to apply the filler to bare wood. The only thing you got to be prepared for is if the filler has color, it can bring that color to the background parts of the okay. wood as well, not just the pores. Um, but if you use something like Timbermate, I got a little picture of that here. It's a water-based putty that can be diluted uh, to make a filler out of it. I love this stuff. It's water-based, uh, but it, you know because of that, it dries really quickly. It's easily reactivated, and it takes up a stain beautifully. So uh, let's say you're doing red oak. Go ahead and buy the oak color. Fill the pores with that, and then if you stain it, it's going to take up uh, the, the color of the stain perfectly. So, nice. you know, I like using it on bare wood because then you could sand the, the heck out of it after you put that first coat on there. Make sure you get the background down to bare wood. Make sure the only thing left are the filled pores. Hit it with your color. 
then hit it with your top coat and you're done. So that would be my personal preference. But you can you can do both. I think he's he said there's some confusion and hasn't heard any real good explanation of why you would want to do one over the other. And I, I think it comes down to just your workflow uh, and personal preference and, and maybe something with the color. If you're, uh, let's say you want to make the grain pockets darker. And I guess maybe some people, to me that looks like poo. Uh, but maybe <laughs> maybe somebody likes the look of that. But if you do, uh, if you're going to use a darker filler, that filler could very easily stain the rest of the wood. You know, so okay. you, so you may want to uh, uh, just change your order of things to affect what the final look is going to be. Nice. Now, I've I've heard you mention Timbermade a couple times before. Uh-huh. Where do you get that? Is it an Australian product? Yeah, it is out of Australia. I know Woodcraft carries it. Eagle America carries it. And that's about it as far as the major vendors that I know of. Amazon may even carry it for that matter. So you might want to check there for the best price. Uh, But um, yeah, Woodcraft and Eagle America, both of them. So great wood filler, great putty. The stuff dries without shrinking. It's, It's definitely hands down the best filler if you're into using fillers. And you can, like I said, dilute it down to to be a pore filler, which is fantastic. Sweet. When I think of the commercial ones, I think of just how plasticky they are. Because the one I had, it was, I don't know, I, I can't even describe how plastic it was. It was plastic. It was really was it plastic. plastic? <laughs> it was it was kind of plasticky, but it was plastic. Yeah. It was horrible. It depends on the brand. Poro Pack and I think uh, Bartley, I think, makes another one. And I, I really like the water-based stuff better. Uh, just it, If I can do something with water-based, preferentially I'm going to do that. It almost had the consistency of natural peanut butter, you know, where the oil's on top and you got to mix <laughs> yeah, it. Okay. Mm, horrible. Mm, <laughs> peanut butter. Okay. Peanut butter. Well, that's about it for that. Uh, tell us about this Glenn Drake saw, Shannon. That looks cool. Well, it's, well, I mean, the first place I saw it was actually popular woodworking. I heard rumors that it was coming to fruition, but it's, it's looks like it almost wasn't finished, you know, because there's, yeah, there's yeah. no teeth on the toe and no teeth on the heel. Oh and, God, look at that thing. you know, when I first looked at it, I was like, okay, that's weird. Um, hmm. But I guess the idea is that, especially if you use a marking knife and you've got that little tiny V groove from a marking knife in there, the toothless section will actually ride in that groove. Oh. And it allows you to get the, the saw moving, kind of get the momentum going. Which is half the game at that stage, right? Yeah, right. Um, and, and more often than not, you know, when you're getting it started, especially anybody that will um, kind of attack the wood at an angle, kind of coming at the the saw mm-hmm. uh, so that it actually drops down in those gullets and it, you know, it gets stuck on the corner. Right. So this idea is if you actually can run the toothless section in and it starts moving faster and starts cutting, it's got a, a variable pitch on it. And um, I, I looked a little bit closer. The, the rake is, pro- or, sorry, the pitch is progressive. The rake is relaxed. And that's variable as well. So as you move down the saw, uh, the pitch becomes, the teeth become bigger, basically. And as you yeah. move back, the teeth become smaller. With the, the different rake, it's supposed to control, um, you know, the, the off, out feed side of the cut, mm-hmm. the back side of the cut, so it doesn't splinter quite so much. There's a lot of little, you know, crazy things done to it. The angle of that handle and everything's kind of crazy. Um, my only fear and i actually put this in the show notes is this like putting a spoiler on an el camino i mean (laughs) i mean they've they've just pimped out this saw to no end yeah can i can't even imagine trying to sharpen this thing with all the crazy rake and and different you know pitches and things going on you're gonna need like three different files to sharpen it um you're gonna go cross-eyed trying to match all the the fleam and the rake angles and all that stuff 
And, you know, I, I think you can solve a lot of these problems just by lifting the weight off your saw right. and yeah. starting it that way. You know, right. actually, Rob Cosman does a great technique with this in one of his dovetail videos where he has you lift the weight off the saw and kind of move the saw back and forth. So you create almost like a little dado um, as you're starting the cut. And, okay. and that that's really all you need, frankly. So and, and you know, I don't want to necessarily come across as criticizing this tool because Glendrake stuff is amazing. It just seems like we're making great kind of concessions to be able to get a saw cut started. And a lot of it is technique to get it started. Sure. So, right. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, I mean, is this something you're going to buy or you think it's oh, a no. skip? I have a Lee Nielsen dovetail saw. I'm good. Oh, there you go. You're good to go. Does anyone know the price of this thing before we... Uh, I mean, is it nine hundred and ninety nine dollars? Like most Glen Drake <laughs> no, stuff? Or? It's it's comparable. I want to say it's like a hundred and thirty. Okay, maybe? so it's in that premium dovetail saw range. Yeah. yeah, it's comparable to the other stuff. Cool. Okay. We we you know one thing with Glen Drake. I mean, we we saw his other uh, uh, saw that he had, which was the two handled, the pistol version. Yeah. Where uh-huh. we, we, when you have to kind of stand there. I mean, you watch the, the guy doing it. Yeah, exactly. You know, to me, Glenn and John Economaki are these two just wild, whacked out guys that come up with these tools that you look <laughs> yeah. at them and you're yeah. just like, what were you th- what what were you thinking and what were you on when you were thinking that? Because <laughs> right, seriously, this is really pretty and this looks awesome and I'm sure it works. But where did the mind you know come from to, to get there, to, to, to come out and put that out there? I well, mean, you, you think I mean, they're in the world of hand tools. Right. And this is something that's been around for a long time. And if you're going to make an improvement or innovate in the world of hand tools, you got to come up with something pretty crazy. You yeah. know, to, to be able to do anything yeah. that's actually worth uh, worth a- putting out there as a product. So uh, very cool stuff, though. I mean, it's it's at least they're doing something different, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. I bet the only person that could sharpen this, you have to have an extremely OCD saw sharpener who is just like, you know, he's like twitchy. He's got thick Coke bottle glasses and he's in there just doing everything. That's the only way I could see all the way that, you know, the, the flame, the rake and everything else hitting it all at once. That's insane. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping that this shows up at Woodworking in America because I'd love to try it. Just get I mean, some hands it, on, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean the, the no tooth thing on the front is a really cool idea, um, and, and we'll see. You know, I mean it, it, it's almost like training wheels on your saw. Right. It is, yeah. I mean that first push a lot of times, and and if you're not used to it, you you're pushing down a little bit too hard. You're getting the gullet of the the tooth stuck on the corner, and you're mm-hmm. you know, and then you wind up going off course. Is what ultimately happens there because you're pushing too hard, but. Once you get over that hurdle, it's it's usually smooth sailing. So that that may be, at least for a lot of people, may be a really great feature. What I would yeah. like to do is to take this saw, uh, walk up to Mike Wensloff and say, what do you think about this? Because if, <laughs> if anybody was at that first woodworking in America and the whole thing between him and Joel Moskowitz, holy cats, that was just like – that was a very, very interesting situation. The two of them really got into it. And Mike's whole thing was just, it's a saw. Just make yeah. it a saw. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> It's it's uh, when, no matter what you do to it, no, no matter what spoilers you put on it, it's still an El Camino. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, to, and that's that Shannon's joke, by the way. Uh, just in case you didn't hear it before. All right, let's uh, let's talk about this bucket list that I mentioned. I thought this would be kind of fun. Um, Shannon, tell tell us some of the things that you've got on this bucket list of yours. Uh, let's see. Um, I got what's um, Soul of the Tree, Nakashima's book. Yeah, a while ago, and I saw his Kanoe chair, and I was like, I I want to build one of those, and it's one of those things. It's kind of, it, it, it's almost not my style. Yeah, you know. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. About six years ago, I went through this like Asian phase, um, 
I haven't built anything Asian themed in a long time, but I love this chair. It's beautiful. The, the fact that it's two legs, and I think it was the first two-legged chair in the studio movement. And it's got kind of a cool story behind it. When the chair was designed, wall-to-wall carpeting and shag carpeting was the thing. So he put skids on the bottom of the chair. So it <laughs> right. slid over carpeted floors. <laughs> nice. Um, this picture is actually from Hearn Hardwoods from their new showroom. Um, Nakashima normally, I think, built his out of walnut and cherry. Uh, he used a lot of domestic stuff. This is all, this is like um, Bolivian rosewood, I think. Okay. And I don't know what the lighter spindles are in that picture, but it's just such a cool chair. It and is. It's wild. That kind of, I, I don't want to say if it's Nakashima-esque or Maloof-esque, but that joint that attaches the seat to the legs, right. it's really cool. Okay. Um, it's got like several different parts to it, kind of like the, the Maloof one, except Maloof puts pegs in his. This didn't have any pegs. It's just kind of cantilevered out over it. Okay. Um, a lot of Nakashima stuff does that cantilevered thing, and it just, you know, it looks deceptively simple, but you get up close, it's pretty hard. Yeah, there's got to be join some... on the sled on that skid at the bottom is pretty crazy. Sure, so, no, it looks that's fantastic. Up there, definitely, I like I that. I don't make it, but that's up there. Cool. Um, more of my style. Um, always wanted to build a slant top desk, and okay. you know, the funny thing is, is I've seen elements of slant top desks that i like um the one that i ultimately want to build is i haven't seen it in existence this picture mark's showing is kind of as close as i could get to it it's kind of queen anne in style but i would do it more from a chippendale perspective with really cool um cubby holes inside some secret compartments and have one more drawer with um our the cabriole legs with ball and claw feet so kind of slamming the two periods together sure um, yeah and and of course i'd have to build some sort of side chair to go with it yeah. nice that, that's a good one i like that and then as with every woodworker <laughs> this is on mine too <laughs> i'm a loof rocker there you go gotta build a loof rocker and you know i i got um the the kit that uh tree frogs using right now the one from highland woodworking uh, i got that, that for christmas the brock and, is his name brock yeah charles brock, yeah, charles okay. brock. Mm-hmm. yeah so it i think that one's in my future sooner than anything else cool so cool they're just they're iconic you know oh, absolutely your woodworker yeah, and by the way uh he did mention tree frog tree frog furniture uh what is it dot blogspot or whatever just google tree frog furniture and you'll see he's got some blog posts about his build and it's it's uh, pretty cool to follow along yeah it's beautiful yeah. so far too Cool. All right. Well, you know what? Interestingly enough, minor chairs too. Uh, the Maloof was one of them, so I could skip that one. Uh, the other one that I think is just an insane build is the Blacker House chair. Uh, if you guys have never seen this in person, another one of those deceiving uh, projects. I mean, nothing on there is is really perfectly square. Everything is join the Wood Whisperer Guild, and you get a really cool video of William Ng. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, we did a little tour. The best of DVD. It's that, pretty damn cool. <laughs> which we're giving away later. We're going to give one of those away. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's it's just an amazing work of art. And the uh, ebony treatments, the slats on the back. I mean, it, from top to bottom, this thing is so complex that I, I would be terrified to attempt this uh, anywhere other than the context of a class. And, fortunately, William Ming does have classes on the Blacker House chair. So that is definitely, absolutely, really high on my list, personally. That is nice. Look yeah, at that. Awesome. Uh, Matt, what do you have? I don't have any pictures for your stuff, but uh, we'll use our uh, That's because I, um, I don't plan on dying. I'm going to live forever, <laughs> and so I'm just going to keep going. No, what, what I have actually... you to learn how to fly, too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I already do. What are you talking about? 
the hop, skip, and a jump. You got to get the pattern down just right. Nice. <laughs> um, actually, for for me, I will admit, a, a Maloof rocking chair. That's just that is really up there. That that I, I would love to have one of those. In fact, Mark, when you and I are sitting on the porch and now you, Shannon, drinking our grape sodas, <laughs> I, I think we should have those. Yelling at the neighborhood kids. Yeah, yeah exactly. Kids, you get kids, off my lawn. <laughs> when I was your age, I was whittling in the backyard. Um, but Don't rock actually, over the flaming dog poo. Uh, one of the things i i do absolutely want to do is i want to build my own tools i want to have a full set of my own wooden hand planes Mm. like really just uh that that's one of the things i mean a a full line i would love to get into the specialized planes also and it's not like this is really something that would be that difficult it's a matter of a matter of finding the time yeah and then tweaking it and getting it everything right but I, i would love to do that, and this actually would include making the irons myself. I mean, really getting into the fact uh, that I'm going to add everything to this, just make it as difficult as possible. <laughs> I, you know, I saw Roy Underhill do that once on his show. He took an old lawnmower blade and, oh, and yeah. chopped it up to make some sort of a blade for one of his tools. Is that the was... one he had like the cinder block forge? Yeah. Yes, I saw that, that one. So freaking cool! I was like, that okay. is just awesome. I can't believe he's doing that. I would never do that, but that's yeah, why little, little he's who torch he is. out there, and yeah, that's. <laughs> I keep telling Sam, I'm like, I've got, I have this fireplace down here in the basement, which is actually over there, and it's the only one that's not gas. Yeah. So I'm thinking I could really stoke that baby up, and we didn't, could do something down here with it. Didn't Carrie do something like that too? I could have sworn she did something yep. where she made her own blade. Yeah, Probably. she did do something like that. Because I remember asking her about it. She's like, "Oh, it's so easy." I'm like, "No, Carrie, everything for you is so easy. That's what Seriously. you know. You're that, my best friend. She's crazy. You guys see those molding planes she made this week? I was trying to follow. I didn't. I didn't have a chance to check it out, but I saw. She a took a class at the old mill cabinet shop, and she made just these gorgeous planes. You'd swear they came out of Clark and Williams' shop. It's just really? like you make me sick. She's nuts. Yeah. She's crazy. I, I'm not exactly. afraid to say it. Yeah, and that's that's someplace I, I, I want to go is that type of thing. I want to be Carrie is what I would like to yeah. do. Um, but then on the opposite end, I also want to make like my own um, infill planes where I do the, the wood and the metal. I think it would be mm-hmm. a lot of fun to have those two just go from one extreme to the other. Cool. And then one last one is I want to make a Bombay uh, chest. Okay. That, the, those shapes I think are just insane, and there's a part of me that um, – I not only do SketchUp only in shaker style, but pretty much everything coming out of my shop is shaker style. <laughs> because when you start getting into those intricate shapes, you know, not only can I not draw them on SketchUp, I just can't do them in my shop where yeah. I'm comfortable with them. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the, the last one on my list. Nice. At least you can watch like old school Tommy McDonald uh, podcasts and walk yourself through it, you know? There you go. Yeah. And I, well, he made a special, didn't he make his own router plane or something for that? Or he, he did something like that to try and get that shape. So he get in there and, and clean it so. out. Isn't that that flex, flexible plane. plane thing that yeah, he had? Yeah. Yeah. Old, yeah. old so. school thing. Well, very See, so cool. I, I can kill two birds with one stone. I can build my plane and build my Bombay. There you go. Nice. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Let's, uh, let's see what's going on around the web. Got a couple of cool things here. And, uh, you know, I, I have to apologize. Two of these are, are very self-promotional, but we had a big release today. The uh, the Woodshop Widget was just released, and oh. this is something that uh, Kenneth has been working on. He's probably in the chat room right now, which I'm not looking at, uh, but he might be in there. <laughs> but uh, he's the uh, coding master behind these things, and we kind of partnered together to throw back and forth some ideas on what a great woodworking widget and woodworking app for the right iPhone. There, baby. Right yeah. there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, but we right went there on the front page. 
we went back and forth and, uh, and and played with it a little bit and and had even Shannon and a few other guys uh, help us out. And I know Boas helped us out as well as far as beta testing it. And this is really an app for woodworkers. It's it's not even really there is a part of it that's about the wood whisper, but I didn't want to just do like a rehashed RSS feed and put it into an app. That to me is is pretty lame. Um, I wanted this to be a very handy thing specifically for woodworkers, not just uh, not just for construction workers. I mean, those bubble levels and stuff like that are cool. Mm-hmm. The construction calculators are cool. But really, for woodworkers, we need some very specific things, and it's very niche, and that means it probably won't sell very well, but that's okay. <laughs> um, <it's, laughs> but those who do get it will absolutely love it. Totally. I mean, it's, it's insane. It's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, so uh, what, what do we have on awesome. there? We've got uh, shellac calculators on there for mixing and diluting shellac we've got uh board foot calculators which is fantastic if you think about being at the uh, uh at the lumber dealer and you're picking out boards and you're trying to keep track of what it what you have how much it's going to cost uh, the board foot calculator is great for that there's a, a squareness calculator on there and i think my That's favorite awesome. um my favorite part and shannon you can you can chime in on this one too is the wood movement calculator uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Basically, if you're on the the website, you could just click uh, this little square and move it. Or I'm sorry, it's a rectangle that represents the end grain of the board, and you move it around on this uh, horizontal cut piece of wood, so you can show what what does the end grain look like. Essentially, you're telling it what is the cut. Is it rift sawn, quarter sawn, or flat sawn? You pick your wood species. And then you pick your conditions that you're starting and ending in, and it just spits back out the amount of change, whether it's going to shrink or expand, uh, based on all of those conditions. Um, the iPhone version, you just slide the little thing around with your finger, and, and you get a great result out of that. So uh, just the information on that is the woodshopwidget.com is where you want to go, and there's a link there as well for the uh, iPhone version. Uh, the website is free, so go there, have fun, have at it. The pages are linkable, so if you get a result or something that you want to show somebody, hey, this particular wood in this project is going to move this much, you can actually get that link and send it to someone, and they'll go directly to your result. Uh, it saves it for you in the page. It's pretty cool. And uh, let's see, I'll put the links in the show notes directly for the iTunes store entry. Um, but, uh, Shannon, you've had some time with this. How, what do you think about it? I mean, overall, a good tool. And don't you don't have to blow smoke or anything, but <laughs> putting you on the spot here. Uh, let's see. I mean, definitely the Borefoot calculator is is awesome. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a 21st century woodworker when it comes to that. You see me in the uh, over at Hearn Hardwoods with my uh, my ruler app on my iPhone. <laughs> yeah. I've got a Borefoot app on my iPhone. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just there. I've even got, like, cut lists built into the notes section. So, I get a lot of dirty looks from some of the grungy old geezer woodworkers out there. Like who's this young whippersnapper, but that's awesome. Having that board foot thing. Um, I agree. The, um, the, the moisture, the movement thing. Yeah. It's just so freaking cool. I mean, there's a, there's a, um, what do you call it? Species encyclopedia or whatever you pick your species and moving that little thing around on the cross section of the log. It, it's just so cool. You know, yeah. start and finish this is what we're going to run into. And I've actually used it a couple of times um, because obviously we just went through a seasonal change and I had uh, built a couple of things that, you know, like all of us, you get started and like seven months later, you're not done with it yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, I had to, I had to put a drawer in it and I'm thinking, okay, if I start building this drawer now, which I had started cutting dovetails and cutting it to size when it was still low humidity mm-hmm. and then suddenly humidity went up, you know, the seasons changed while I was still building. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, that actually was really helpful for that. Well, cool. And, uh, Good. You know, the, the decimal, the fraction converter. Oh, I forgot for to mention that. Yeah. Idiots like me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I've been using my uh, my digital calipers a lot more lately. So the decimal yes. to fraction thing is incredibly helpful for that. 
Um, the one thing I probably should mention is the Wood Whisperer stuff that's on there as well is kind of cool. Uh, basically, I have a feed where I can just update, update it with uh, quick tips, and you can get to the Wood Whisperer site and browse the site within the app and watch videos and all that good stuff there. So uh, thank you, Kenneth, for a tremendous job in making this happen. I mean, especially the movement calculator, it's, I mean, I'm floored with that. I don't, I don't know what magic he did to make that happen, but that and the shellac stuff too. I mean, the sh- calculating shellac dilutions is a pain. We're talking when you, you've got a liquid solution and you want to know how much of this do I add, how much of the uh, denatured alcohol do I add to end up with a certain quantity at this concentration. And this thing just makes it totally easy. So, yeah. Um, well, you know, one thing with, with, with the, uh, um, the board foot calculator, real quick, you, you just kind of hit it a little bit. The one thing I like is the fact that you can put the price in there yeah. and then add it onto that. Because otherwise, I'm going back and forth between my calculator and the board foot <laughs> thing. true, yeah, yeah. And, and it drives me insane. So you've got it all right on there in one. So, again, Kenneth, woo, you the man. Yeah, he's the man. All right, moving on here, we've got also the Summer Guild build is coming up for those of you who are Guild members and uh, those of you who mm-hmm. are not. Um, Shame on you. No, just kidding. Yeah. Um, it's, <laughs> we've got a big build coming up. Uh, it's a chest of drawers this time, and it's going to be an incredible experience because we're uh, sort of partnering with Charles Neal on this as well. So it's going to be an absolute blast. Go to thewoodwhisperer.com slash guild, and you can get some more details on that. Sweet. Okay. Um, so who, who put this in here? There's Woot, something else indeed. there. Uh, that's me. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, we, we, there's all kinds of cool blogs and stuff out there. We all know that, but I have really been paying attention to, um, furniture girls workbench marketing. It's just crazy, crazy stuff she's doing over there. And, you know, I think all of us at one point are thinking maybe I should give this going pro thing a try. And Allison spent time, she was at a hardwood artisans, which is a pretty cool high-end furniture dealer down in the, uh, Alexandria, Virginia area, I think. And she did leave there earlier this year and launched her own deal. And she understands woodworkers. She understands what it takes to to market your business. And she's just got every single blog she puts out is awesome. Cool. Talking about building a marketing plan to identifying your customer, speaking to your customer, using social media. It's It's just really good information if you ever, ever are thinking about trying to sell your stuff, even if just part-time, she's the person you want to talk to. Cool. Yeah, she's uh, she's uh, on Twitter all the time. She's very um, helpful there. What is her Twitter address? For, it's Furniture Girl, right? Yeah, Furniture Girl. Cool. She, she's the one behind the wood chats that compete with our show. Yeah, what's up with that? I was, still, Wait, I was talking to Matt. I said, you know, there's a lot of hours in the week. How can they pick the one that we do our show on? <laughs> it's a <laughs> okay. competition thing. What I mean, are the good thing about? is you can actually kind of pull off both if you're careful about it because uh, it is a, a Twitter hashtag conversation, so it's kind of easy to follow and also listen to something else at the same time. That's we right. usually make transcripts available, too, the next day, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, cool. All right, let's move on to some voicemails here. The first one is from Bart. Not Simpson, just regular old Bart. <laughs> um, yeah, wants to know about planes. Hi, Mark and Matt. Uh, it's Bart from Ontario. Um, question about hand planes. Um, I'm uh, thinking about buying my first hand plane. And uh, as per uh, Matt's suggestion, I'm going to get a, a block plane. Uh, someone gave me as a gift uh, Collins Complete Woodworker's Manual, and it has a lot of planes in it, but they show wooden planes and metal planes uh, fabricated out of wood or metal. And I noticed on your latest podcast that Matt had mentioned, or it may have been Shannon, ECE planes, which are uh, are shown in this book. And I just wondered if there's any advantage over wood or metal planes, because the, uh, in all honesty, the wooden planes look really cool. 
and I wouldn't mind uh, as my first plane having something like that as well. Um, I never hear you guys talk about uh, power planes, hand planes, and I, I, I'd seen them on some DIY shows and thought they, they were kind of junky because they were using a, um, well, I won't mention the, uh, the brand they were using, but it was a lower uh, quality brand, but I noticed that even Festool makes a power hand plane, and I'm just wondering if uh, you guys have any thoughts on the uh, power hand planes and uh, if they're uh, any good or worthwhile uh, looking into. Anyways, uh, really enjoy the show. Uh, keep it coming, and thank you very much. Bye now. Okay, so I'm going to let you guys uh, handle this one since that's sort of in your uh, area of expertise. What do you think? All right. Well, you know, if you don't mind, Shannon, I'll jump in on this real quick. No, when, go for it. Yeah, when, when it comes, the one thing I really like about the wooden hand planes versus uh, the metal ones, and it doesn't matter whether it's ECE or a, a, an old one that you found in an antique or store, something like that. Uh, the the, re- the one thing I really like about them is the fact that you get a lot of feedback from the material. Now, that sounds kind of funny saying, like, feedback, what do you mean? You will feel every little nook and cranny on the, on the wood that you're working with, yeah. and that can, that can really help out. So if, you, if you're hitting some really tricky grain or something, you know if maybe you got to put a little extra effort here to kind of tweak it or if maybe you, know, you need to twist it to the side to kind of work on the – maybe come at a skewed angle – or maybe it's just it's going so real, really good you could maybe put a little more pressure in there. It's that that feedback that can really make a huge difference. It's very tactile, right? I mean, exactly. Yeah. It could help eliminate some of the tear out. And on top of it, let's get serious. A wooden hand plane is so much lighter than a metal one. Yeah. You're not going to get exhausted. Like right here, I have with me. This is an ECE uh, wooden plane that I have, and this is my scrub plane. And um, if I used a metal-bodied one for my scrub plane, if well, most of them, they're pretty light anyways. They're not too bad. But with this scrub plane, the, uh, the wooden one, I, I can just rip right through it really easy, not get worn out. And, yeah, totally tactile. So you know the areas that need to be hit just a little bit harder. Cool. Um, yeah, so that, that's, that's my big reason. How about you, Shannon? Any other thoughts on that? Um, well, first of all, just back at the first part of this question, yes, I think a block plane is a good place to go. Um, and actually – you know, I know Mark's sending me chat saying, let's speed this up. But do you guys know where a block plane <laughs> came from? Where the title, or the name block plane comes from? Because uh, it's so small, it looks like a block? Uh, no. I heard people speculate on it, but I don't know the answer. <laughs> it was originally used in butcher shops. Uh, it was designed for butchers to flatten their butcher blocks. Oh, no kidding. That's a block plane. Oh, wow. Oh, there you go. I learned that at the Stepping Stone Museum. Dang, Stone so you're going gonna to come in handy on this show. Dude, I know a guy that works there. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I do think a block plane is the best idea. In that case, you can't really find wooden block planes. They don't really exist. So that might answer his question. Sure. Um, you know, I love wooden planes, but honestly, when you're getting started, the metal ones might be easier. They're, they're easier to adjust. You know, you don't have to deal with the hammer and the wedge and all that real kind of and, – and when you get more advanced, I think there's a real tactile feel of being to adjust that blade. But for a beginner – it might be a lot to deal with. Now, those ECE planes, as I understand it, they do have some sort of adjust. Hey, way to go, Matt. Matt just took up a photo. It <laughs> yeah. actually helps. Um, I think that's an adjuster on the back, isn't it? Or, that's right. Yep. Yeah. So it, it's that, almost that, like a transition plane. Right. That may make it a little bit easier. I would just worry about jumping right into wood planes. You might get a little frustrated because they're they're not quite so easy to adjust and play with out of block or out of box, rather. Um, that being said, they don't rust, which for me, that's a huge deal. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, yeah, you're right. The tactile stuff is really, really nice. You can really feel the wood. But, you know, a really good modern-day metal plane, like a Veritas or Lee Nielsen, 
Now let's be serious. It, it kicks butt, you know? So, <laughs> you know, the purist in me says go wood, but at the same time, I want more people using hand planes. So I don't want them to get turned off. I'd say go metal. Yeah. You know, and I consider myself a, a definitely a beginner in the world of hand planes. And I find the learning curve to be a lot, uh, a lot shorter, a lot less steep on the side of metal. Um, yeah. I've got a couple wood planes and I find that it takes a little bit more finesse, a little bit more practice. Uh, but I pick up my Lee Nielsen's and it's, you know, I feel like, uh, I feel like an Italian David Charlesworth. It's great. <laughs> and for that matter, he's in Canada. So, nice. You know, buy Veritas. You're in Canada. <laughs> there you go. Easy. And, and actually, when it comes to Lee Nielsen Veritas, they're both amazing planes. But I think some of the Veritas ones are a little bit easier on the beginner. You know, things they, like set screws and everything mm-hmm. to be able to repeat where your blade goes. Sure. Um, those bevel up planes. I was just going to say the whole bevel up. Yeah. I mean, they're even more versatile. You know, if you only want to get one that, that can do a number of things, get a couple different blades, you've got a, a more versatile tool. That's Heck right, yeah. definitely. Um, the last we, part of his question was about the power planes. Have you guys ever used a handheld power plane uh, for, used, for your woodworking? I used one of those Ryobi ones one time. Um, that was interesting. One time? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> Being the key word. <laughs> you know, it's usually you see them done in kind of carpentry and like perfect. Right. You see guys using them to like trim off a door because it yeah. doesn't fit in the frame. Yep. Um, I don't think, I mean, they're just not, it's basically a joiner. You know, it's a yeah. handheld joiner, and that mm-hmm. scares the crap out of me, first of all. But I mean, you're not going to be able to take, you know, a thousandth or two thousandths of an inch shaving. So it's definitely not a smoothing plane. Um, I think it probably, in fact, I want to say I saw Charles Neal do this once. You know, it would be killer for roughing off a large amount of wood. I was just going mean, to say, think, it's like it's it's like a powered scrub plane in a way. Yeah. 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 Or, you know, like that that uh, power grinder carving thing you use, Mark. Oh, I mean, the ArborTech, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. you you the I know the Ryobi I used had like an eighth of an inch setting on it. You know, remove yeah. an eighth of an inch of wood, you could really destroy a board really fast if that's what you wanted to do. Sure, and they've so, got yeah. uh, they've got different heads on it too. You know, so I think if you needed to right. do something that's more of a scalloped cut, you could pull that off as well. So scooping a chair or a bench or something like that, you might be able to get away with using it or at least starting right. it with that. Right, yeah. exactly. There's there's no tactile on that. You just push through. There was actually an article in Fine Woodworking years ago. I was trying to find it before we went on the air with this. And there's a, a guy that makes um, uh, very large tabletops, solid solid wood, uh, kind of goes for the, the live edge look. And that's what he was using, the power planers, to get everything leveled out and then coming back in afterwards to try and clean them up. And the one thing he did was just like with a regular hand plane, he was trying to crown the edges of the blades. Mm-hmm. And I guess he had some success with it. But to me, that's just like one of those. That's insane. That's yeah. another one of those insanities. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I would stick to the, the power planers as basically just carpentry. If, if, if I need yeah. to you know, knock down a door a little bit more, that's the only place that I'd use them. I just don't see it in, in a wood shop, at least mine specifically. Yeah. Yeah, a power planer in, in a fine woodworking shop. I mean, that's like putting a spoiler on an El Camino. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I've heard that before. Yeah, we can use that analogy all night long. Uh, nice. let, let's let's at least aim for two more. Um, we're gonna we're gonna skip one of the voicemails and save that for next week. But let's listen to uh, this question about a table saw adjustment mechanism. Gentlemen, this is Diani from uh, Sunny Long Island. I have a question for you regarding my Delta model 36-979 10-inch left hill contractor saw, and I did read that label off the side, or I couldn't have named it. When I'm tightening the, uh, the tightening knob on my height adjustment uh, screw or twister, dealy whacker thing, as Mark would say, uh, the big crank that makes the blade go up and down, when I tighten the lock in the center of it, 
it brings the blade height down. So if I try to adjust it to a particular height and then lock the height, it's actually lower than I wanted. I was wondering if any of you guys knew much about, I'm assuming there's a feedback issue in the play of the mechanism and uh, what I might be able to do to resolve that. Thanks so much for the help. Talk to you soon. Okay. Um, that was Diami. And let's see. I, I know, Shannon, you said you actually have this saw and have some experience with it, but I'm going to give my advice first really quickly, and I just <laughs> want to let him know because um, I don't have that saw. So he's got to connect the dingo hopper to the um, to the thingamajiggy. And if yeah, the, the do- dilly wacky. Right. Well, if the who's what's it isn't tightened up to the dilly whacker, it's just never going to work right. So, mm-hmm. But right. What, what do you think, yep. Shannon? You know, I don't know that I have exactly – oh, man. <laughs> Sorry, I just put this in the chat room, but the dog is like fumigating the room right now. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I don't know whether I have exactly the same model, but it's I, I, I'd have to read it off the side too, Diami. But um, I have the same thing. When when I go to tighten it down, you can see the blade drop just the tiniest bit. Hmm. And, you know, there's probably some reason for it about like throwing the mechanism or something like that. The way I, I handle it, like if I'm setting it to a specific depth, I'll actually push the workpiece up against the blade as I tighten it and it holds the blade in place. It doesn't move when you, or you could, I suppose, pinch it between your fingers, but you know, it doesn't take a lot or go ahead and tighten it down. You still have the tiniest bit of play on the wheel. So you tighten it down and then you just eke it back up a little bit, kind of like in, in using a hand plane, Mm -hmm. if you back it out, you want to advance it forward. So you take out the slack and the screw um, so that's all I do is I tighten it down and then just raise it up just a tiniest bit more turning the wheel. Um, cool. Not a big deal. Never had a problem otherwise. Cool. Sounds mm. good. All right, let's jump into these, uh, sweet deals. And like I said, let's, let's try to rip through these real quick so we don't go too long with today's show. All right, um, let's do it. Yeah. I think you got the first one here, Shannon. Uh, yeah. Um, let me get to it. Sweet deal. Oh yeah. Right. The, um, the noodle inlay. No- oh no, it's not noodle <laughs> inlay <laughs> razor kit. Um, if you guys have seen those adjusta benches, the node and adjusta bench, that's really pretty cool. This is the same guy who does this. Um, Chuck Bender actually did a video on this. And if you go to, uh, um, what's the website for this? Uh, inlayrazor.com. If you go to that website, there's a, a YouTube video there that Chuck Bender uh, put together. This is a way to build ingrain inlay and ingrain banding. Very, very cool little tool. And I got a a chance to play around with a prototype last time I was at Chuck's shop. Um, You know, really, it's kind of um, more contemporary type inlay Mm -hmm. than anything else. I mean, you're not going to really make your classical herringbone or checkerboard stuff. This is a little bit more wild things. And because it's ingrain, you're using these little tiny wafers to build up the ingrain. And it's a great way to use up scrap, really easy to work with. Um, as I understand it, Glenn Huey kind of did backflips when he saw this and he's like first in line to buy one. <laughs> it's just a pretty cool tool. Go to the, go to the website and you can see some of the examples of the, the banning that he makes. And because he just released it, he's actually got it on sale right now. So oh, okay. sweet deal is normally it's uh, 250 bucks. Uh, right now it's selling for 200, um, plus shipping and handling. And it comes with a, a bunch of different blades um, different shapes of blades, and it comes with a bunch of um, what he calls blank blades, mm-hmm. including a DVD and shows you how to make new blades and uh, create new patterns and things like that. Wow. Um, you know, I've only had a chance to play around with it briefly, but um, if you want to trust uh, Chuck Bender and Glenn Huey, they both have played with it for a while and 
These are professional furniture makers who love it and say that it's going to change the way they work. Nah, so, they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah professional schmetchernal. <laughs> well, very cool. I'm going to have to go and look at it because I, I can't quite picture exactly what it does. But uh, Yeah, it's really hard. Go go look at the video. It's hard to describe what he does. But... Yeah, I'll definitely do that. Well, very Sweet. cool. All right. All right, cool. Hey, we have two more things up here. In fact, I'm going to throw pictures up real quick on uh, my little feed there. Over at Woodcraft, you spend $75 or more, you get a free knife. How cool is that? You can use that knife to slash the prices, uh, but you have to use code 62610. And, uh, you know, that's perfect for Father's Day. So go in and spend $75, get that a knife. Just don't make him angry on Father's Day. Dads love knives, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, the great folks over at Highland Woodworking, they have the 192900 Erlex HV 2900 HVLP Sprayer. When you purchase it at the sale price of $149.99, they will throw in a free copy of Jeff Jewett's Spray Finishing Made Simple book and DVD. Nice. So When I was out there, they had that same special. And, oh, uh, did they really? Yeah, but the um, that Erlex unit is another one of the, the little guys. It's not like their cheapest one, but it's, I don't know, it's weird. But I, I saw it in action because he was spraying some... Uh, graffiti on the side of the building <laughs> with uh, <laughs> nice. with some with some latex paint and it had no problem with the latex paint which is kind of a good test and if it you know if it can atomize that stuff and get it to spray real nice you you can you know be pretty confident that it's going to handle some uh, lacquer uh, with no Sweet. problem yeah so uh, for for that price the the HVLP game is no longer you know a rich man's sport um, at, at 149 bucks and that comes with a really good book and DVD so that's pretty yeah cool. and I think it includes a couple of nozzles also if I remember I didn't grab everything that was in there I just kind of grabbed the basic things oh cool so yeah not too bad at all not too shabby nice one of these days I'm gonna try that HVLP that whole spraying yeah. thing one of these days I gotta get yeah. one I'll send you my critter. My little critter. Nice. Don't make fun of the critter. You got in trouble with that last time. <laughs> yes, I'll send I you my critter on the floor. <laughs> it's very fragrant. I have uh, a feeling your critter probably bite harder than mine. So there you go. All Sweet. Right, well, All right. Hey, do we have any tips going on? Or are we going to just yeah. bypass those and save them? Nope. We're not going to save them. We're going to do them. Uh, Sweet. I, I need me some tips. Yeah. Everyone, you know how they would complain if we didn't play Tom's tips. So here we go. Right. Tom's tips. That's right. I said Tom's tips. I didn't say Tom's lips. I said Tom's tips. Hello, everyone. It's Tom Iovino from Tom's Workbench, and it's time for another one of Tom's tips. It's been said you can never have enough clamps, but wow, who can afford all of them? If you're looking for a simple and cheap way to clamp a project, get a wedgie. Actually, get two. By placing your project between two bench dogs and tapping a pair of wedges side by side, you can snugly clamp any project to the bench. You can cut your wedges to any thickness you want and cut them from super cheap lumber, giving you an effective and inexpensive clamping set device that won't hurt a plain iron if you accidentally hit it. If you want to discover more clever, useful, or even somewhat coherent tips, check out my blog at tomsworkbench.com or visit the Wood Whisperer community at community.thewoodwhisperer.com. There you go, Tom, promoting wedgies. Nice. I'm always afraid of wedgies ever since high school. Oh, am I kidding? All the way through college. Oh, it was hideous. Yep, yesterday at work. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I walked in the door. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, uh, thanks for that tip, Tom. We always appreciate it. Tomsworkbench.com is where you can go to get more information on uh, what Tom happens to be up to and uh, chasing tornadoes and other things that he does. Um, <laughs> all right. So we got another tip here. This one from our, our good buddy, Carrie. 
Hand planing a thin board can be a problem. How do you secure it to your bench top? And what if your board's not only thin but skinny? How do you get out of that sticky situation? With sticky tape, of course. You can use small pieces of double-sided carpet tape to temporarily tack down a thin piece of wood while you work it with hand tools and planes. Just be sure that you don't leave for vacation while it's still attached to your bench because carpet tape gets grippier the longer it's in use. When you return, you may find that the workpiece has become a permanent fixture on your benchtop and you'll forever be stuck with it. There you go. Very nice. I like uh, I like putting music to Carrie's tips because she's got such a good speaking voice. I just like to put in decent, you know, good songs. Makes yeah, you feel creative. It, it does. It, she still is the most popular uh, voice over at Spoken Wood. So um, <laughs> the most requested. I should do that. The most, yeah. In fact, most of the time it's just Matt. Just don't talk anymore. Just have Carrie. We'll turn it into Carrie's show. <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right. Well, that was pretty much it. Uh, before we close out the show, I did want to do a couple of giveaways. And in fact, that means I need to go into the chat room to get this done. Uh, trying to figure out a good way to do this. The first thing I want to give away is one of the iPhone. Um, losing my train of thought as I'm trying to do two uh, things. The apps here? Yeah, the app. Thank you. I'd like to give away an app. And uh, the thing is, we're gonna need we're gonna need to ask some kind of a random question and have people answer. But my request is that please only answer if you actually own an iPhone or an iPad <laughs> or something with an I in front of it that can actually use it. My wife said she's gonna get me one for Christmas in two years. Can I get the app? <laughs> yeah, by then uh, it'll probably be gone. But um, okay, so what, let's think of a question, guys. So that's that's what I'm letting everyone know in the chat room. Don't answer this question unless you absolutely can use this thing. Um, if you don't have an iPhone, I'll give you mine when I buy the iPhone 4. So. <laughs> there you go. Man, it's coming out soon. Ooh, more money. Oh, okay. Um, so duh, watch. There's probably two people in the chat room that actually have an iPhone or an iPad. Um, GS and a 3G right here. Come there, on. There you go. Okay. So let's think of a question. This, uh, I'd like okay. to have a generic woodworking question that anybody should well not anybody but most people should be able to answer and we'll ask the question and the first person to give the answer uh we'll get it so you guys want to come up with a question real quick anything off the top of your heads um in uh, what way in what the authors use <laughs> the Bueller. Uh, Bueller. um let's think let's think of something good i should I, I really should have been prepared for this but you know it's me so what are you gonna do how do you okay. fill the pores of a piece of wood? <laughs> See how good people. What are the two ways to fill uh, to pour fill wood that we mentioned earlier in the show? Let's let that be the question. When Matt takes off his glasses, what superhero does he become? <laughs> That's easy. <laughs> the Blob. Uh, let's see here. Okay, uh, <laughs> I'm seeing some of them. Okay, Wood Warden actually looks like the first one who got it. Oil varnish slurry or a commercial product. So Wood Warden, do me a favor, buddy. Email me, thewoodwhisper at gmail.com, and I will send you a promotional code that you can use to uh, redeem in the iTunes store, and you will get the app for free. And hopefully, Congratulations. That's fantastic. You're going to love it. I, I, I ended up downloading it today, and I almost got in trouble at work because it was like <laughs> one of those. I was measuring stuff, and I'm like, if I was at the store right now, I could get four quarter at this length <laughs> or this much. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, okay, let's see. The next one is actually going to be a Guild DVD. It's um, I don't have one here with me, but it's a two-DVD set for the best of 2009. Pretty much every good video I made in 2000, 2009 <laughs> for the Guild is on this thing. 
a ton of footage on there. And also there's an included guild discount if you choose to use it. That's included in the package. Uh, $50 value, $40 value, I believe. So I'm going to give one of those away. And the person who can tell me where Shannon, what the place is called that Shannon has his uh, apprenticeship or volunteering jobby dealy thing that he's doing. What What is it called? Work. And you know what's funny? I can't even answer this because I don't know. <laughs> I've got to go back to the show notes real quick. Hold on, guys. Runningwood right. got it. Go to the blog. Right? Stepping Stone Museum, correct? Oh, it is uh, correct. Yeah, Sweet. There you go. Nice. Hey, Runningwood. He's the man. He left a great review for us on iTunes, by the way. Very nice. Thank um, you. Yeah, not you. Uh, the app. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't get y'all excited. Like, <laughs> yeah. Has anybody <laughs> left a review for Wood Talk Online on iTunes? I haven't even checked. No. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think I don't think anybody has. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think anybody goes over there. They're like, forget that. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, uh, Runningwood, email me your address, buddy, and I'll I'll get that DVD out DVD out to you. Um, and the liner notes of that uh, Guild DVD are pretty cool too. There's it's oh, like a it's like the paper version. That's of right. Wood Whisperer iPhone. App. See, even back then, I was thinking, what kind of quick handy reference things would I want? Let's put these on uh, on a piece of paper, a piece of cardboard inside the package. Um, okay, cool. Let me think if there's anything else I can give away. Um, you know what? Next time, I've got a buttload of Charles Neal DVDs that he gave me over the last uh, couple years, and I've watched them all, and um, I'm ready to give them to someone else and, and spread the love there a little bit. So maybe <laughs> maybe next show, we'll save all those, and we'll do like a whole giveaway little fiesta at the end of the show. Does that sound good? Yeah, that sounds awesome. I think everybody would like that. I like um, if I really cared, I'd give the shirt off my back. I think anyone who watches the show knows how many times I've worn this on the show. So <laughs> think about how many times I've worn it in total, and I'm pretty sure you might not want it anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, all right. Well, a little extra mark with it. That's for sure. <laughs> a little, a little. I have this cool Pink Floyd shirt. <laughs> there you go. Now you guys can give away your shirts. I'm not gonna. All right, Matt. Let's close it out, buddy. All right. Well, you know what? If you've heard anything today or something maybe you haven't heard, you want to leave a comment, question, or suggestion, got a couple of different ways you can get a hold of us. You can email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. You can pick up the phone and leave us a message on our voicemail at 623-242-2450. Or you can find us on Twitter at MBW Podcast or at Wood Whisperer or at Renaissance WW. And, of course, we're also over on Facebook, too. So one way or the other, you can get a hold of us and let us know what you think. Uh, please be gentle. I do bruise easily. So yes, he's been known to, to call me in the afternoons crying about the <laughs> feedback. So and he's not kidding either. <laughs> Where right, well, thanks everybody in the chat room for hanging out with us, and thank you Matt and Shannon for joining me for another great show. And we'll uh, catch everybody next time. Take care, everybody. See ya. Bye, y'all. Thanks. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.